Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Brooks Forsyth. Hey, everyone. Brad Large. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Felipe Milan. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. So, um, yeah, on our uh, prep doc, you said mistakes as a freelancer. And... (laughs) I looked at that and I'm like, oh boy, I've got stories, uh, you know, and we, we mentioned it before and Brooks is like, oh yeah, there's plenty to talk about there. So I'm I'm kind of curious um, uh, where, where you're coming from, you know, as, as a freelancer and what kinds of mistakes you've made. And then I think we ought to just go around the panel and just, you know, let everybody chime in on the, the kind of dumb things or uh, things they didn't get that they, you know, they wish they'd done differently. This episode is sponsored by Cloudways. If you're running a business, then you need a website and your website needs to be up 24 seven. You probably want support. I mean, let's face it, cloud hosting is a pain in the butt. And if you're really looking for a solution, you probably want something that will support WordPress or Magento or something that you can build up on your own without having to be an expert in running all of this stuff. So why not go with a solution that will provide all of this with 24 seven support, high availability, and will run your website with high performance and reliability. This is why I recommend that you check out Cloudways. Go check out Cloudways at cloudways.com. Use the promo code DEVCHAT for 30% off for three months on all plans. Yeah, so I remember when I just came back from New Zealand, I came with a degree in web development and and I was into graphic design and all that kind of stuff. And the brother of a friend who is a famous guy in Chile, is a TV host, uh, an entrepreneur, business guy, uh-huh. etc. He was like, oh, I need a website for the next World Cup. And this was 2009, 2010, a World Cup around there. Even that I'm from Latin America, I don't like soccer. And I love to call it soccer because Latinos hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So... So the guy was like, oh, yeah, I need you. I'm going to pay you whatever you ask. I came with the Kiwi mentality. I was charging heavy dollar on top of that. And I just trust him. So as a freelancer and first big job, I was like, oh, no worries. You are a famous guy. You have money. Uh, you are the brother of a friend. So let's go for it. And I started working on it. I started hiring people. And then the guy decided not to continue with the project because all the sponsors of the whole thing uh, step out. So the guy said, oh, you didn't finish the project because we're not going to finish it, so I shouldn't pay you. Oh, God. And he never paid. And my brother looked at me like, well, he's the brother of my friend, but you made a mistake. And my brother is a lawyer. So he totally understands everything had to be on paper. And it was the first time that it hurts because it was a pretty sweet deal. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have a contract then? Oh, no, no, no. Just simple emails in between. Even his brother, the connection, he was like, don't trust my brother. Like everything on paper. It's like, it's a business, oh, wow. it's a job. And, and yeah, I, I trust because the guy is famous. Wow. That reminds me of a contract. This isn't something I did wrong, but uh, 
I took a contract. I was subcontracting to somebody else and I had subcontractors working for me and his contract said, if I don't get paid, then I don't have to pay you, which kind of sounds like what happened to you. And I made him take that out of the contract and um, yeah, he tried to not pay me and got a sternly worded letter from my attorney and I wound up getting paid, but yeah. You got to get it in writing and you can't give them any loopholes because they'll take them. Yeah. And my experience is the more, well, the more clear and, and everything is written on paper is how you can avoid mistakes later. Oh, yeah. And especially in the design development world where everybody's like, oh, I need this app. And by the way, can you add this other feature? But it, I just read that it takes like one minute. It's just for sharing on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, those. Okay, but my one minute worth money. <laughs> and they're like, come on, it's just just a little button. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, we call that the scope of work or statement of work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you definitely want one of those attached to your contract. Yeah, so sometimes freelancers feel that the customer is going to run away if you get serious. But I remember going to my first conference as a graphic designer in Argentina, and I met Paula Scher, who is the wife of um, Seymour Schwartz, the guy that created I Love New York icon. Uh -huh. And she's the one that created the logo of Citibank, the little city with a little uh -huh. thing on top. And she was telling that she came up with that logo in less than 10 minutes in the first meeting. In a simple drawing in a paper while the guy from Citibank and the other company was talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And then she just keep it to herself and then work for six months with the same logo until after six months, she just came out with a whole thing, the whole concept combining companies. And she was, if you're not serious about what you're doing, you're never going to get the real money on top of your work. So... Yep. Anyone that wants to work with you and is serious enough to take your contract or any kind of agreement is because he's willing to work for real. And who is saying no is because want to get something for free from you. So, and, and for me, that was the best advice that I ever get in my life. Yeah, One, be I, expensive and paper. Yeah, I think a lot of people are well-meaning and they don't really think it through. But yeah, occasionally you wind up with people that, yeah, if if they think they're justified in not paying you, they just won't. And, you know, and so, yeah, it's interesting. Brooks, do you have a, a mistake you've made? I'm curious. I'm learning about mistakes I've, I've been making. Uh, just, just listen to you guys talk. Um, yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing and, and something that keeps on biting me is the scope creep. Um, you know, anytime it's not, like just and, and the way they ask is like oh there's this really simple feature to add mm -hmm. and i want to respond immediately back well if it's simple then you do it you know what i mean like yeah like just don't even like it's not in it wasn't in the original scope and, and whatever but yeah i constantly i get I, more and more scope just keeps on magically appearing on my to-do list yeah yeah, I, I usually in those cases, just just for the listener too, um, when I was freelancing pretty heavily, when those would happen, I would ask them either, um, you know, what they wanted to take out of the current scope of work, 
or right, you know, so swap this in, swap that out. If you don't want to pay any more or, you know, let's just write up an addendum for the statement of work and attach it. But yeah, yeah, people, people didn't always like that because, well, I only have this much budget and it's like, okay, well, if I spend another week on it, you know, I should get paid for another week of work. And usually people would kind of get there, but they weren't always happy with it because of their expectations. Yeah. It's it's not even the week of work. It's like the five things that add up to a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. like it's the, the one thing and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever we can, we can throw that in there. And then it's like, once you open that gate, it it just all of a sudden there's like four more right after it. And now you have an extra week of work. Yep. Yeah, well, I think and- you hit it on the head with that. If you don't nip it in the bud early on, then the they think, okay, well, that's the expectation if it's a small thing. So I, I haven't honestly run into that issue, though, because I've, I've been doing, uh, I don't do hands-on dev work right now. I've been mostly doing consulting calls, and I make people pay up front on those. So, like, I, I'm just selling, you know, some advice for a while to solve a particular problem at a, at a given time. Right. So I, I haven't run into the scope creep thing yet, but one thing I've always wanted to bust out is something I heard uh, Jonathan Stark say on the, I think it was on this show, but he, he would ask, uh, you know, well, you know, part of my job is to make sure that this project gets done on, uh, you know, on time and, and for this specific thing. So can you, you know, how does this help us, you know, in addition to the scope of work, meet this, you know, particular goal that we're, we're going for of being on right. time or, you know, you know, and th- that brings up the conversation of, Hey, what do we have to uh, kind of negotiate out of the scope of work? Or like you said, put something in place that says, well, you know, it is going to extend the time. It is going to be an interruption. So, but yeah, I never did it, but I always wanted to add to the addendum. The addendum usually was I'll do this work and, um, you know, I'll get paid this much for it. But I always wanted to add something to the addendum that essentially said, make make them sign it and say, um, I understand that by adding this much work, it's going to extend the deadline by at least this long, right? And that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the expectations. That's what's, the the dangerous part is setting those expectations, I think, because that's something that I I think we, we, I've heard it a couple times already, but things alluding to, you know, if you push back on a client, you're worried you're going to lose the client, right? Or that you're going to lose future business or, but in all honesty, uh, we all, we're all, I think as freelancers, when we ask, you know, are those the type of clients we want? Then we all say, no, we don't want those clients. But the minute push comes to shove, and we've got a mortgage payment due and, you know, or financial goals for our business, or, you know, we're way more willing to accept those clients. And, and so, you know, it is difficult to set up those expectations with those various pressures, you know? Yep. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So I'm, I'm going to throw in one of my mistakes. Um, and this was when I first went freelance. So I go in and a bunch of my other friends, we'd all gotten laid off around the same time. One of them was actually laid off from the same company um, as me at the same time. So we're all competing over this contract and I wound up winning it. 
But what I didn't realize is when I went in there and just kind of pulled a number out of my ear and said, I'll do it for $60 an hour. I was undercutting the competition by 50%. I was 50, you know, I was half what they were. And, you know, so one other thing that I think um, is a mistake that freelancers make is they look at, like Brad said, I've got to make this next mortgage payment. And so if I charge $60 an hour and I work for a couple of weeks, then I will be able to pay my mortgage payment instead of finding out what the going rate is and seeing what things are going to cost and seeing what goes into it and really understanding what the expenses were because $60 an hour was not enough to pay all of my bills. You know, go talk to some freelance friends and see what they're charging. And then, you know, make sure that that's enough to pay all your bills. Yeah. Plus, plus you have more on taxes if you're in the United States and, and that hits you April 15th. When yeah. you realize that. Oh, don't get me started on that. All right. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming around it's, it's it's not fair i'll just point that out yeah 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 brad do you have a mistake you want to point out or should we let felipe go again you know what i i'm just gonna throw a disclaimer out i've been like i've listened to the show i think for a couple of years as well as some other ones and i i just want to say thank you charles because this show has seriously saved me so much pain. We were talking about this stuff. And part of the reason that I charge 100% up front with 100% money back guarantee is because I've heard these stories from multiple people of, hey, get a contract, get these things. If you're, if you're not going to get paid up front, you know, do these things, right? And mm -hmm. so honestly, I haven't run into some of these problems, but they have set back my timeline. So me as a freelancer and a moonlighter, like, it has been slow going as I, as I go about this, just because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about not making these mistakes, but that definitely has probably, you know, made me more hesitant to jump in sometimes. And if, if I've made mistakes, mostly it's about um, like positioning and, right. you know, being too hesitant to, you know, take risks as an entrepreneur, freelancer, you know, that's part of what you're doing is taking risks. So I feel like uh, most of my mistakes have been hesitating or, waiting too long to, to try things and things like that. But yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's really, <laughs> I, I've been trying really, really hard not to make mistakes and, and, and do that. But, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants really, because I, I try to do what you were talking about. Uh, you know, just do a bunch of research and try to figure out how to, uh, how to get things accomplished that way. Yeah. Felipe, do you have some more mistakes? Yeah. Um, getting greedy when you're getting like a nice paycheck and then you know that it's something basic like i don't know a wordpress website or something that is not going to take that much of your time that you could be doing something and then you hire someone in Upwork, fiverr etc and you pay, <laughs> you pay like five dollars an hour and then the guy come back to you after two weeks oh sorry i've been sick so i'm about to finish and then the guy disappeared for another two weeks and you just keep pushing your, your client like, oh, yeah, yeah, like we're there. We're almost there. But you know that you don't have anything. And the guy just basically lying to you. And then you ended up hiring another guy and another guy. And then you just keep working during the night to finish it and don't get bad with your client. Because I made a mistake with a friend and his brother 
during the time that it was super popular, the website that you can bid like one cent to get that TV and then 10,000 people is bidding the same, et cetera. And nobody was doing that in Chile and they hired me and I made that mistake. And ended up costing not having that website, not being able to launch the company. And, and I know that till today, probably they're super pissed with me. Uh, and I just suck it up so hard because I broke a friendship in a certain way for trusting that a $5 developer can do something good. And that's, I believe, a common mistake of a freelancer that wants to start managing more people to get more gigs on top. And, and I highly recommend don't do that unless you find someone that you can trust that is not going to take 25 jobs at the same time. It's, it's just check the Upwork profile, how many jobs um, ongoing the guy have. It's, it's not that hard to figure it out. So that, that will be one. Don't get too greedy and try to get way too many gigs at the same time. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not the mistake I make, made. The mistake I made was um, I hired somebody off of Upwork and you know, initially he was, you know, the first few weeks he was fine. Did good work. Got it in on time, you know, on and on and on. And then, yeah, the the quality just really severely dipped. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know why it, you know, it got so bad so fast. But all of a sudden, I'm looking at the, the code that he's writing and going, I can't make my client pay for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, cleaning. I just started a new project and I'm cleaning up from that very mistake of, um, you know, there was a, I guess this marketing firm hired a developer and the developer just made the UI and kind of faked everything and, and kept on doing these presentations. And as the deadline started passing, um, their clients started getting, you know, freaked out. So um, eventually uh, he took a, a vacation and didn't tell anyone. And that's when that was the final straw. So now I'm going in there and cleaning it all up. Um, but there's a lot of, missing code that was supposed to be done so oh man yeah so felipe how did you wind up fixing your problem did you just wind up putting in extra hours to get it done yeah basically that that happened a few times i i went through a startup program in chile called startup chile i got 40k to start a company and oh boy i would love to have that money today to start any kind of project because I basically waste so much money hiring the cheapest guy that you can find. And, and it was my mistake. Oh yeah. I didn't want to realize about it that obviously if you're hiring a guy that is charging you four or $5 an hour, what are you expecting? The guy is going to get another offer for $10 and it's going to drop you in one minute. And then the guy is going to get another gig for $12 and is going to drop the other guy for 10. And then that's the reality. <laughs> At the end, the guy is like, sorry, with you, I'm going to make $500 a month. With the next gig, I'm getting another 800. Maybe I'm going to finish yours. So the biggest problem that I see with other friends, other freelancers is that they don't code. And they get into this world and they're like, uh, now I don't know what to do. So yeah know exactly what you can do and how you can turn off the fire. Otherwise, don't try to get in a space that you don't know. 
I have friends wasting so many, so many dollars. I'm talking over 10, 20, 30,000 or over a hundred thousand dollars in projects that they don't know how to do. They're not developers, they're not coders, they're not graphic designers. They have ideas, they have some savings, and they just like keep hiring people around the world. And and I feel that this come becoming more and more common for many people to try to become freelancers without having the willingness to, to be serious about it. It's like not because you are a freelancer, life is gonna be easy. You need to look for your own customers. You need to wake up every morning and work probably harder than a guy that works in a normal office. Uh, when I stopped being a freelancer and start and I became an employee, in many ways I really love it. Like being able at five o'clock to just close the computer and say goodbye till Monday, and I don't care what's going on. It's been great. I also miss the thing of hustling and stuff like that, but I yeah. I feel that you need to be super honest with yourself when you decide to go this way. I think, I that's, think that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'll go ahead, Jack. No, I was going to kind of riff off of something else and change the topic. So go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when I got started, one of the things that I did all the time was I'd find my diminishing return point like way after. So like, I would take it so seriously, every little thing. And I would get like down these rabbit holes on like my website design and like how I structure my blog posts and how long I spend writing and all these things that really, I mean, they, they were positive and that I learned lessons from them, but really I just wasted so much time up front, you know, trying to avoid as many mistakes as possible and try to do all this different stuff. And and, you know, when I got into it, I was doing a lot of things that really weren't making a difference for my business. One of the mistakes that I made was like, I mean, it's really important to focus on the things that are going to make a difference early on. And, you know, whether your website is generating leads or not, that that can be important. But when you're getting started, like going out and meeting people is way, way, way more effective than, you know, trying to attract an audience online when you don't have content, when you don't have all this audience built up. And so just, um, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that I made was just twiddling my thumbs and just looking at all the things that I thought were cool as a developer, but were not impacting my business at all. And I, I mean, I wasted eight months to a year learning various lessons around that. I mean, it's just really slow going, right? But I just think back on that. One of my biggest mistakes always is just not focusing on the things that are going to impact business right that's right in front of me. Yeah, related to that and something that Felipe said mentioned or mentioned kind of got me on this one. This is another mistake that I made. And it's it's something that recurs even today with the podcast network, right? Um, you know, I'm right in the middle of trying to find a bunch of podcast sponsors. And what I found over the years is that... Um, when I'm working on finding sponsors or when I was freelance, when I'm working on finding clients, you know, so I'm out there meeting people, I'm out there reaching out, I'm out there hustling. Clients aren't that hard to find, right? They're out there. And if I'm talking to people, uh, eventually I'll talk to somebody that's willing to either wait for me to finish the contract I'm on or hire me to start talking to them so that we can start ramping things up so that when I have, you know, when I finish up kind of the, the full-time-ish work that I'm doing for the other client, you know, I can roll in right into working for them. But 
there were several times where I actually didn't do the work to go find clients. And then all of a sudden I've got a month where all I'm doing is finding my next client and I'm not getting paid. And that's always a big mistake to make. I don't know if you've experienced that Felipe or Brooks yeah, or Brad. Um, myself, I live with my mom till I was 30. <laughs> because there was some time that I was, as you were saying, Brad, focus on what really impact your, your work, your life, and stop wasting time in, in other things. Um, that's a really, really big thing. Like I waste so much time dreaming, like, oh, if I could start this project, maybe I could bring more customers and here and there. And at the end it's like, work for what bring bread to the table in some ways. Yeah. Like if you're going to work, it's because you want to generate money. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you want to generate, but because you want to pay the bills and you want to do something. So, so yeah. I waste tons of time trying to find someone. I, I like to think of it as like a ship. And what you said, like, it, it was kind of interesting because you, you, it just made me think that it's good to think big picture about your business for sure. Like, and I think oftentimes there are people that I've, I've seen like trends of, of the, the, you know, stories that people tell about getting into freelancing. And most of them, are either one of two. They took a while, they were very hesitant and risk averse and they, you know, they had to warm up to it and finally figure out what that meant for them. And there were other people like, uh, like you, Chuck, they get laid off and then they're just, they're there and they're like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. And they just start trying stuff. Right. And focusing big picture, I think is kind of like being on a ship and having, you know, you should have an idea of where you're going, but you can make course corrections along the way. I think giving yourself that freedom to think big and think, where do I want this to go? And to reevaluate that regularly is important. But in the meantime, you know, you're going to run out of water and food and, you know, resources if you, if you don't have something, you know, in the works now. So balancing that, you know, making sure that you're on track to meet your business or personal goals. Like you said, Felipe, a big part of why I'm doing this is, for personal goals, like for more freedom in my life and, and different things like that. It's not necessarily that I want to make a ton of money or anything like that, but I do want a certain lifestyle. And so reevaluating what that looks like to me regularly is the most important thing. And, you know, I, I get tied up in, in thinking in one mode or the other, but really I think you have to kind of straddle that line and think big picture while thinking tactically now of how you're going to, you know, meet short-term goals, right? Yeah, I think I think about it in terms of, you know, if it's a boat, you know, you've got to do all the little things to, you know, trim the sail or, you know, tack this way or things like that. I mean, you can you can go look over the side of the boat at whatever's floating by and enjoy that or, you know, put a line in the water if you want and fish. But if you're, you know, if you're not taking care of your your boat, if you're not maintaining things, if you're not if it's a steamboat, you're not, you know, you have to spend some time shoveling coal. And if you're not doing that, then eventually you're going to run out of steam and then you've got to go scramble to find something to keep things going. Yeah, it was a lot of user, like it was a lot of people talking about feast famine cycles and things like that. That's, that's one thing that, I mean, I, yeah. I'm, when I get started with this, it's going to be very important to me to not stress out my wife. And, and you know, if I hit these dry patches or dry spells where I'm not having income, you know, when I make the transition to, to full time, that's going to be, that's going to be a huge stressor. And I know that, right. So I'm trying to be cognizant of what is important to me, but 
at the same time, there's inherent risk in it. And, and looking at that, what you have to do to smooth out those rough patches, um, I think it, it takes looking at the big picture and it takes being proactive too. Like you, you just mentioned, you know, you realize you neglected marketing or outreach efforts or whatever. And then you would find yourself, uh, you know, for a month, just looking for clients. And that could be really stressful, right? I mean, that's, yep. that's a huge thing. And it, it's a mistake that you don't realize some oftentimes until it's too late, I feel like. Yeah. And it was, I mean, every time I've hit a slump like that sales slump, you know, whether it's sponsorship sales or uh, freelance clients or anything else, it's always my fault. It, it's always been, oh, well, I slacked off. I mean, even when the economy slowed down just a little, it was it was still me just not doing what I needed to do. When you said yeah. sales, I thought that's that's funny because lately I've been doing a lot more sales calls and I'm just think, thinking of like hilarious conversations I've had where I was, I'm not a salesperson. And so trying to do sales calls for me, I feel confident at first. And then like throughout the course of several of the meetings I've had, I've just completely wanted to crawl into a hole and be like, okay, I'm just, it's amateur hour here. I'm just completely bombing this right now. Yep. Yeah. Are are you, are you like cold calling people or, or I, the reason I ask, I I used to do uh, insurance sales right out of college and that was, that was fun. Um, (laughs) that was uh, why aren't you still doing it brooks despite the opportunities of you know having a lifetime of of revenue coming in i found it really hard uh to to sell insurance you know just just cold call and and try to convince people it was life insurance too so it's like it's a brutal subject to even talk about like Hi, I'm Brooks. One day you're going to die. What do you want to have happen to you? <laughs> That's rough. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it got me over the fear of like talking to strangers for sure. So that's a, that's a plus. That's something that's stayed with me. I'll, I'll call anyone now. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. I don't, I don't, that's a, that's a tough job. Yeah. It's hard for me, even though like I qualify people, I look for news, like I look for indicators, I do all the things you're supposed to. And I get on the phone call and like you just, you know, all the advice is just keep them talking about themselves. And some some people that's pretty easy, but then others, they they instantly go on the defensive. They instantly, you know, the minute that they they know by my emails that I'm, I'm going to sell them, you know, something or that's the impression that they get. So I need to look at the wording of my emails and make sure. But, you know, really at this point, I'm just trying to figure out more information about the industry. And if it makes sense, then, uh, you know, set up another phone call to talk about how I could help them or, but uh, yeah, I I really need to be aware of my language because it's just, it is brutal. And it's, I like, sometimes I put down the phone and I just sit there and like, I literally cringe if I have, if it's like my second call, out of five, I will literally just cringe. Like it's just awful for me right now, but it's been getting a lot better. If I do have a good one though, it's nice because then I, I'm way more confident going forward. And usually they go a little bit smoother if I, if I get a good one in early, but oh man. Smile and dial. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing most of my outreach on LinkedIn and email, uh, email lately. So yeah. that's, that's probably a little, little easier, right? Like, uh, um, yes and no. I mean, I can reach out to more people in the same period of time. 
but it's not yeah. the, it's not the kind of personal touch you get off of a phone call. But the whole point of those is to get somebody on a call. So right, right, yeah, you, yeah. You just don't get the fear of like getting yelled at and hung up on, you know, right away. Yeah. Well, it's much easier to find people's phone number or to find them on LinkedIn to, or I'm sorry, email address or find them on LinkedIn than it is to find their phone number. Yeah. You know, Felipe, I'm kind of curious, you know, we've got you on here and this is something that I've never really talked to people about before is so after freelancing for as long as you were, I mean, why go back to a full-time job? Why I did it? Yeah. Oh, because I wanted to get married. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so I was freelancing for a long time and then I got into the startup world and I'm going to change the world. I'm going to become a billionaire. And all the patting in the back, people saying, oh my God, that idea is incredible. I was building the mojito of internet. So basically mm -hmm. a mix between mint and lime. So a way to organize events with friends, get paid each other. So kind of like Venmo uh -huh. with an event organizer inside, kind of like WhatsApp and Venmo together. Okay. So yeah, I was like getting funding from my government, traveling around Europe, the US. People were like, oh my God, that's incredible. My mission was to save friendship. Uh, so at the end, I was like just drinking that Kool-Aid that a guy like Gary Vee say, work 24-7 no matter what, just work and work and work, which in my opinion is the biggest stupidity that you can say to someone. <laughs> uh, because humans get tired and at the end, if you try to work 14 hours a day, you're going to be doing something not that good. And I got to a point that I, I didn't know if I was really good enough to just keep doing it to maintain my family by myself, doing uh -huh. that and freelancing and hustling and i wanted just like a little bit of a break so i decided to join a still a pretty cool job with a cool company i joined sangrid back in the days um so i was doing community i was working with entrepreneurs and business owners and helping mm -hmm. them to overcome challenges to grow and and it's basically what I keep doing now that after I quit Twilio, I join SCM Rush as a global evangelist. And, and today is more interesting because I can work directly with more like business owners, freelancers that are running their own agencies and stuff like that. And I can give them real insights of how to get more visual, um, more visibility on, on Google and how to basically grow your business in a better way and not just like thinking maybe this way or maybe that way. Like I think Brad was saying before, like, oh, go and ask to your freelancer friends how much they charge. Uh, there is different ways today with tools like ours that you can understand what's going on outside. You mm -hmm. can see how much money they're spending in ads. If your agency wants to start doing or yourself to promote your business, to want to start uh, doing paid ads. How do you know who is running ads, which ads and stuff like that? There's different ways to figure out that. So, so I believe that as to how many people we've been saying, it's like, it's about working smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to work hard and not smart. 
And, and right. I'm a really big believer of automation. So, so yeah, my transition was basically to, to get a paycheck every month, uh, basically to cool down a little bit my brain and, and to learn other skills. Sometimes as a freelancer, you just get yourself in your room working 24-7, sometimes making good money. Uh, but I don't know how many of you can look back and figure out how many days of the entire year you spend in a pajama working. <laughs> Which, in my opinion, is not the healthiest thing to do. Like, I wake up and I try to get ready to work. Even that I work remotely and I don't have to see anyone sometimes, and I could be wearing whatever, I try to dress for work and have mm -hmm. that, that uniform with me, that mindset, like, I'm working now. I'm not just like, oh, play with my computer or whatever. It's like, that's why I always believe in the thing of becoming more honest to yourself, that freelancing is not a hobby. It's a right. lifestyle. I want to work in this or another way. I want to be a nomad. I want to travel around the world. I want to keep doing my stuff. But it's harder. And that's why you can become smarter and, and be honest to yourself. I'm going to do this. I want to make money to live the lifestyle that I want. Okay, this is what I have to do. So yeah, yeah maybe in the future, I'm planning to go back and become a startup guy again and run my own stuff. But I also want to learn those corporate stuff that when I joined Sangrid, I joined a year and a half before uh, they did IPO. And then they got acquired a year later. And now I'm joining another company, which is also super big, distributed as well, and learning all the little things. Like the company that I work right now is a flat structure company. It's not the normal pyramid. So it's all the agile methodology to learn is it's super, super interesting. And I believe that any freelancer should learn OKRs, for example, and how to structure your work for the entire month and your first quarter and stuff like that. What is an OKR? Uh, objectives, key and results. Like basically okay. what I want to achieve, how I'm going to do it and how I'm going to measure in a certain period of time. So, it's, it's a framework that Google adopted super, super hard into their core business and give you a clear understanding of what I have to do in my business. Like how many customers I'm going to get in this first quarter doing XYZ in social media and how I'm going to measure if I got there or not. And mm -hmm. basically it gives you a framework for understanding if what you're doing is good enough or well enough done. And, and that's what I learned being a freelancer that I was trying so many things, reading so many blogs, following so many podcasts that at the end, I didn't know what to do. I was like, why customers are not coming? Well, you are creating the wrong content. You are speaking with the wrong people. You are networking in the wrong event. Like if you want to get customers, what is the point of going to only uh, developers uh, meetups? Go go to the meetup where's your possible customer. Go to business owner meetups. Go to I don't know graphic designer meetups to get a partner that you can work with. So get out of your comfort zone is something that sometimes freelancers they don't want to do. They prefer to stay comfortable where they are in their room, doing their job, 
I'm earning the money that I need every month. I'm okay, which is not bad. It's mm-hmm. not bad. Like I used to want it to become a billionaire. After learning from billionaires that you need to work even harder to keep that B, I don't want to be a billionaire. I just want to have a good income that with my family, we can keep traveling and living how, uh, as we live. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, one of the, uh, like going back to the thing you said about OKRs, that's been kind of a revolution revelation lately. As we talked about, we've been talking a lot about LinkedIn lately. So I've been looking at LinkedIn ads and different things like that. And I'm going to run some tests on doing some LinkedIn ad campaigns and just see what kind of results I get back so that I can try to plan more accurate uh, forecasts of how many people I can expect to get on the phone with or you know, what kind of uh, people I attract with the ads or how I need to. So there are a couple of different things, mainly around like the language of them and things like that uh, to make sure that I'm getting closer to my goal. Um, But I love Felipe, what you said there about, you know, just taking your goals, like what you want to do, recognizing what you do want and what you don't want, and then just figuring out what you need to, to do to get that. I think that's the most important thing that we get caught up in is just, uh, you know, kind of deconstructing what we want and how to get there. I mean, once you define what you want, it's like running a race or anything else. If you know the destination, you can figure out how to get there. But, uh, you know, oftentimes we don't take the time to really figure out why we want something. So I want a lot of money. Well, why? Because I want to spend more time, you know, traveling. Well, why? Because I really enjoy traveling with my family. Okay. Well, are now you have multiple options instead of just I need to make a ton of money you can you can decide what kind of lifestyle you want to have where you get to travel with your family more so I think oftentimes we don't we kind of get set on the the tactics of how to get someplace instead of stepping back and seeing you know how to make those things a reality yeah and and I think it's interesting too because uh you know we're talking about this and for Felipe it meant you know going and working for SendGrid and then going and working for SEM Rush, And, you know, for somebody else, it may be, okay, well, I'm not going to do, you know, per hour software development consulting. I'm going to do this certain kind of security consulting. And for somebody else, it may be the per hour programming, you know. And so it's, you know, just, just because Felipe is saying that, you know, this particular, you know, approach to life is working for him. If you want something different, or you're, you've got a different personality, you may wind up making a different decision on how you get that for you. Oh, yeah. I think that's a huge thing with freelancers getting into it is just looking at all the different other people's stories of how they got into freelancing and how to do things and all this. I think the biggest thing up front is, you know, okay, well, what do you want to get out of freelancing? Because if you don't think about that, then all the advice that you get from other people doesn't mean anything because you don't know how to apply it or if it's applicable to you or if you even should apply it. Right. Like it's, it's, I think that that is a big problem. There's so much information about specific examples of freelancing that it can be overwhelming getting started. And, you know, that's, that's part of the reason I think that I spun my wheels for a while. I was just trying to, you know, apply a bunch of advice that may or may not have been effective for me. So. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier 
And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from The Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of The Food Fight Show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. For example, till today, I never been a full-time employee of any company beside my own company. I'm a contractor for SEM Rush. I was a contractor for Sangrid and then Twilio. And because I want to live where I live right now in Estonia, I love where I have my kids in this country, the benefits and all that kind of stuff. So with my wife, we are so happy here that we're like, oh, we don't want to relocate. We're super happy here. And at the end, companies, if you're, a, if you're an asset, if you're a value for them, they're going to be willing to accept that you can work remote. So sometimes freelancers, mm-hmm. they don't, it's not necessarily that they need to just work in a pajama in their own um, room every single day. You can be a freelancer in a different way, being a contractor. Um, and working remote, doing some stuff, and... And, and that's totally valid. Like, don't try to fit into the category that everybody will feel now you, are, now you can call yourself a freelancer. Like, feel yourself happy with what you want to achieve and your own decisions. And don't try to fit in a category that everybody wants to put a label on. Yep. I thought I had to wear pajama pants. I can, I can put on jeans if I want to. Ooh, getting fancy. Yeah, I know, right? That's my step up is jeans. <laughs> I know, right? I, I made the decision like, I don't know, a couple of years ago to just do the thing where you just buy clothes that are basically the same and then just reach into your closet every day. So I have like a couple pairs of the same, like exact same pair of jeans. And then I have a different color polo that I wear every day. And that's one less decision that I make. And it works fantastic for me. I'm not even kidding. Every day, jeans, polo, boots, I'm good. <laughs> I just, I love it. Yeah, but I buy all my shirts at uh, developer conferences. In other words, I get them for free. So I have to decide swag. which brand I want to be today. Yeah. yeah. I kept so much swag from Sangrid and Twilio that my wife took all those t-shirts and she's making a rag for my kids. I'm not kidding. Like those rag that they kind of like needed them. So uh-huh. she just cut them in little strings and she's making a rag, a pretty big one. Because she was like, I don't want you to dress anymore as a billboard of that company. And then I, <laughs> I joined SCN Rush and I'm like, sorry, babe, but <laughs> this is my job. That's awesome. Developers are walking billboards like uh-huh. most of the time. 
I used to wear like previous contract company shirts to my current job. That that was hilarious. I loved it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't see a problem wearing a shirt that has a brand on it that you love, but yeah, it's kind of funny the way that we approach that. So Felipe, are there any other things that we, we ought to cover or things, uh, any other mistakes you want to make sure that we talk about? Nothing that come up right now. Well, if, if you go to a conference that that is what I've been doing for the last five years and I run a lot of workshops and talks about it. Don't waste your money getting swag and promotional stuff for your customers and don't waste money in expensive um, business cards. Like I did that with my first business and I have really expensive business cards and I just saw so many potential customers basically bend them over, playing with them, throw into the trash. And I was like, that's $2 going away. That's another $2 going away. Like, don't waste money. People just want your contact details. I build my own app for conferences where I can get the name and the email of who I'm meeting. Automatically send a follow-up email. And after a month, send another follow-up email until the guy replies and get back to me. And I don't print any more business cards. Because I was like, this is just a waste of money. Because I yeah. literally take a business card, I'm going to throw it away after I write down the email in my own email. So don't, don't waste money in that kind of things. People don't really care. And who really care is a developer that want free swag to take home, which you are never going to use again sometimes. And you just keep piling up swag in the corner of your room or office. <laughs> and if you go to a conference, there's different ways to understand how to bring value to yourself. Do the research. Who is coming there? Reach everyone. Send an email and say, hey, I'm going to be in the conference. Right now, next week, I'm going to be in, a, in the 10th of February. I'm going to San Francisco for 10 days. I'm going to be at Startup Grand Conference. I'm going to be at the Developer Week Conference, SMX West Conference. And I'm literally getting the emails of everyone that is attending. And I'm going to send an email to everyone saying, hey, I'm going to be there. I would love to meet you. Uh, this is myself. If you think there's something that we could discuss or get to know each other, uh, reach me and let's get to know each other. So at the end, in my experience, I was getting from every conference more than two or 300 leads just by <clears throat> doing a little bit of work before. So mm -hmm. if you're a freelancer and you're going to be spending money or getting a free ticket, do spend a little bit of time understanding who is coming and reach some people. Because in my opinion, to go to a conference just to sit down and listen to some inspirational speakers, like myself, that I do that for work, I think that at some point it's a little bit of a waste of time when you could be there hunting possible customers. So yeah. it's like... If you're going to spend money, go there and make your ROI real and get some dollars in your pocket. So one thing I'm wondering about that, because uh, I, I last year I went to a bunch of conferences and some of them paid off and some of them didn't. And so uh, now I kind of want to pick your brain on that for a minute. So when you say that you get the list of the people attending, is that as a sponsor that you get that? No. I can teach you, if, if you want, I can share some little free 
techniques that you can do. So, so when you're reaching out to people, then you're not reaching out to attendees, you're reaching out to attendees. speakers and well, I, I do it depending on what is my strategy for the conference. So right. there's one conference that I'm going to attend that I'm reaching attendees because it's a super target, small conference. And there's a Facebook group with all the members there. Right. So then you can get an account with a little tool called textout.com that you literally just like click Facebook What's group. What's it called? Text, T-E-X-A-U.com. Like text automation. That's the meaning of it. Uh, so literally on that one, you can get a, a full week for free. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one. You can get a full week for free. Um, and then basically you just say, this is the Facebook group. Get me all the members. Next step from those members, get me all the LinkedIn profiles. And oh, then you wow. can take those and go to findthatlead.com, upload that CSV and get the emails of all those guys. Uh, Wait, and what's it called? Find what? Findthatlead.com. Some friends from Barcelona, from Spain, they're like super, super amazing. Like their content and also what they're building, their platform is just incredible. So all these little tools, there's most of all these services, all these SaaS platform, you can get a lifetime deal for like $59 and stuff like that. You can go to uh -huh. AppSumo and grabdeals.com and stuff like that. And you can get deals that if you're going to pay $59, $60, a hundred bucks, one time in your life. And then you have a little bit of the service for free forever. So right. with find that lead, I paid $59, I don't know, like a year ago. And I can get 2000 emails or prospects per month, 2000. Wow. Like if you want to contact podcast and this is how I connect with you, you can go <laughs> to a place called listennotes.com and you can buy the database of whatever podcast you want in any language, in any region, with uh, an episode being published in the last 30 days or whatever, and it costs almost nothing. Oh, wow. And then you can have another tool called Gemilius, and you can create a whole recipe to automate all the emails and basically one click and then start reaching people. What so was that one called? Gemilius. G like Gmail? G-M-I-E-L-S. So it's an automation tool that works inside of Gmail and you can create a whole auto automation for sending emails and you transform your email into a Kanban. Now it's written Gmail. Sorry, folks. I'm picking his brain because this is really helpful for me. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, going to nice. say, we need all this in the show notes because that's this is like solid gold. Yeah. Yeah, like... I, I believe in working smarter and working smarter is not that hard. It's, well, I can show you a few Facebook groups that I highly recommend. So uh -huh. one is SAS Mantra. Uh, it's everything on Facebook. SAS Mantra is just incredible. The guys over there give you, yeah, that one, SAS Mantra. And let me look for the other one because there's one more Facebook group that I spend time every single day. So SaaS growth hacks from 
Aaron uh, from Aaron. This is super good. SaaS growth hacks. And the other one is called growth marketing and outbound from find that lead, the company that I mentioned before. So I'm going to show you the links right here. Yeah. Yeah. If you could put the links in the, um, yeah, in the chat there, then, then we can make sure they wind up yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. So at, at the end, my biggest recipe and recommendation is what do you want to do? Like, I want to reach new customers. Perfect. In which niche? Try to understand where they are and then start asking to people, join those Facebook group and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. I'm a freelancer. As a freelancer, you cannot get 100 customers a month because you cannot do that level of work. Mm -hmm. But you can reach your hand and be like, oh, how I can reach really cool customers. Everybody, in my opinion, internet is about bragging. Everybody wants people to see that you are the one that is giving the best advice. You are eating the best food. You are sharing the coolest photo. And if you go to these Facebook groups and you are honest and super humble and say, this is what I want to get. I want to reach, I want to get five customers a month. I've been trying all this. Who can help me to understand how to automate my outreach? Right. I can assure you 10 people in less than five minutes is going to tell you, let me tell you the key to success because I know. And, and try to identify also BS groups because there are some guys that they're going to pat themselves in the back saying, I know how to write a book in one minute. I'm the most helpful guy from Quora. I'm here, I'm here and there. And I'm not going to mention the name of that guy, but... Anyone that has been in different groups on Facebook know exactly who I'm talking because one guy that he always pray himself to be the best <laughs> of the best of the best and nobody cares what the guy say, honestly. Like, so just being humble and asking, I've been learning myself how to do all this. And today I can do some outreach that I get people back saying, I know this is a cold email, Mm -hmm. but I want to learn how you manage to get my personal email and send a cold email that feels so personal. Right. And, and I know how to do that in a way that is basically, I'm writing you an email and I want to connect with you in a super honest way. I don't want to oversell myself. This is what I'm offering. Am I interesting to you? Yes, perfect. Let's talk. So for me, it's always a little bit of humor. Uh, one of my follow back emails is like, oh, do you need a day at the beach? Because you haven't replied my email in I don't know how many days. And I'm from Chile, so I would love to send you to the Easter Island, but I cannot make that happen. So let's have a call, which is more realistic. And I have a lot of people coming back like, okay, that, that, that grabbed me. Let's talk. You are quite interesting. You have an easygoing way to talk and stuff like that. So many of the templates that you can find on the internet, they're so square. Like, yeah. hi, this is me. This is what I want to get. Do you want to do business with me? No, get to know the other person first, what you can bring to the table. So there's so many ways to automate your work, but don't get crazy. This is my biggest advice. Don't get crazy. These tools 
can give you way too much data that mm. at the end you can send one email and that email could be miswritten. People do not forget if the first email is bad written. And if my first language is not English, I'm from Latin America and I learn English by living in another country. I never study properly. So I use a little tool called Grammarly. And Grammarly yeah. give me a tone. Like, how do you want this email to be? You want it friendly and creative? Perfect. This is the kind of way that you need to write. So use tools to help you to write if, you're, if English is not your first language or Spanish or whatever language you're using. I use Grammarly and English is my first language, so. It's incredible. I pay. It's, it's the only tool that I pay premium. And it's not cheap, but I still pay in it. Good deal. All right. Well, I've got to start getting ready for another podcast. So I'm going to start winding us up. But uh, this has been great. Thanks for coming and talking to us, Felipe. Oh, happy to be invited. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Um, Brad, do you want to start us off with picks? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of my goals and something that I made a mistake on early on was uh, working way too much to get my side hustle off the ground and not spending enough time doing what I love. And one of my favorite things to do is make breakfast with my kids on the weekend. And so, you know, since I, I was doing it moonlighting and, and on the weekends, um, it took up a lot of time. Anyway, so I'm going to share, I'm going to put uh, one of the best pancake recipes ever for like a uh, cheap meal or, or just like some good pancakes on the weekend. I'm going to share that. And then I'm going to throw uh, the waffle recipe I use in there too. If you have a waffle maker, I'm, I'm a big, huge fan of that. And you can throw chocolate chips in there. If you have kids, they go bananas for them. So uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to share that. And then one of the other things that um, really hit me over the head when Felipe said it was, you know, uh, you know, basically go where your clients are, don't go where your peers are. And uh, I read pretty in depth in uh, David A. Fields book, um, about, like the irresistible consulting guide to getting clients or uh, I think that's the title of something like that. But he wrote a book and he basically says fish where the fish are, you know, and, and so that that kind of hit me over the head when you said it. So I thought I'd share that. Yep. All right, Brooks, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I got a pick. Um, lately, I've been uh, watching um, The Watchmen on HBO. Really great show. Um, definitely enjoying it midway through this season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a interesting show where police wear masks and um, you know they're kind of like pseudo vigilantes, and it, it's very cool though. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Nice. Um... So my pick is, <clears throat> you know, we talked a bit about the prospecting thing and I'm definitely going to be checking out the tools that Felipe mentioned. <clears throat> Sorry, I got something in my throat. Um, the, the tool that I've been using to find email addresses is hunter.io. And uh, I've only been able to look things up one person at a time. So I'm kind of curious, um, you know, it, it'd be nice to be able to get a whole list of people. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be checking those out. But Hunter.io works pretty well, and um, it, it's not foolproof. If there's if there aren't email addresses that it can find out there, then obviously it can't guess at what people's email addresses are. 
but I've been finding people's um, corporate addresses and then emailing them that way and doing a lot of the cold outreach. And that's actually been pretty effective for me. Um, I usually send them an email and then immediately send them a LinkedIn invite and then just kind of see where things go from there. And, uh, but yeah, I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient. Um, and one of the things that I've learned lately that, because uh, I started automating things with HubSpot, uh, which is what I've been using for my CRM. And it turns out that their automation sequences will only allow you to send five emails. And so that, that kind of frustrated me because what I'd like to do is I'd like to email somebody and talk to them about how I can help them do outreach. And then I want to follow up with, you know, here's how I can help you be a better podcast guest. And here are some of the shows that we do that you can be a guest on. And, you know, here's how I can help you, you know, reach people through sponsorship. And here are the things that I would do to, you know, try out different messaging and stuff like that and see if I can really, you know, drive home to people that I'm not just about, hey, give me money and I'll talk about you on the show. But it really is a look, you know, let's make sure that if you're putting $10 in or $100 in or $1,000 in, you're getting 10x back or 5x back or 3x back or whatever reasonable expectation is, right? And so that way, you know, you feel like you can keep giving me money and I can keep giving you more money back in in the form of customers. So anyway, I, I need more than five emails to do that. So I am looking for a new tool to do that email outreach. So um, yeah. Felipe, do you have some picks for us? Yeah. So um, in apps and stuff like that, the one that I mentioned, Gmailius to automate your emails is just wonderful. Uh, find a lead to find prospect by company, by Twitter handle, by LinkedIn. You can send emails from there as well and stuff like that. But don't be cheap with your business. So do the investment that you have to do. Don't waste so much time trying to get everything for free. Sometimes you need to invest a little bit. Like Grammarly, I pay for the premium one to get the extra insight how to write better. Like things like that at the end, they're going to come back to you and it's going to be proper ROI. And myself, and I'm ADHD in a really, really bad level. I never read a book in my life. I cannot focus more than five minutes. So I discover Audible, mm -hmm. which you can get one book for free. And I try it and I cancel my account right away after because it's super expensive. Uh, but I got one book that I already listened, I don't know, five times called Indestructible from uh, Nir Ayal, the guy that wrote the book Hooked. Mm -hmm. That basically the first book was like how to build services and apps that is going to make you kind of like addicted to them. And now the guy wrote a book, How to Be Indestructible. Like, I don't have in my phone, if I turn on right now my phone, I don't have any more uh, notification for Facebook. And I'm reducing that anxiety to check what happened on Facebook all the time. And I'm getting a lot of time back uh, in my personal life and work life. Like, I build my own uh, planner. I use a company called Truly Mine. They're from Poland and you can build your own planner. All the pages, they have all the templates. And I built a planner that really worked for me. And I divided per quarter and stuff like that. And I'm learning how to organize myself 
without the need of being connected to so many apps all the time. Sometimes a pen and paper can help you to focus way more. So Indestructible, I highly recommend that book. It basically put my life in a little bit more focus, also in the personal life, how to avoid to use phones 24-7 inside of the house. Because I have kids and my daughter is all the time like, Dad, I want to play with you. And she's just three years old. Right. And I realized that we use phones every single minute of the day. So that's my pick. And I'm also going to share a recipe for bread. I bought a bread maker and I've been doing a pumpkin seed bread that is super, super nice. Awesome. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm seeing some of these recipes on all recipes. And I guess I had to pick that too. It's a terrific website. I use their app all the time uh, to find recipes. And so I, I, I really love their stuff. We've also had people do like beer picks and stuff on the shows. And I think I might start doing like a, a meat pick every, every week or something. Anyway, uh, thank you for coming, Felipe. This has been awesome. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen through all the awesome stuff that we've got here. And yeah, just see, see what we can uh, do to be better at what we're doing. Because, yeah, the outreach is kind of the, the lifeblood, at least, of the podcast network. Um, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not, I don't have money. And if I don't have money, I can't pay my team. So, yeah, we may, we may just want to have you come back on and talk about how to, how to you know, do prospecting, how you do it. I, I was about cool. to say that we could do like a little easy to follow guide, not 350 pages thing, just like a little these are the steps that you can do and we can share with the, with the whole audience and everyone around. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll get you back on the schedule and uh, talk through it. Cause I think it'd be highly valuable, not just for freelancers, but for people like me that are trying to find customers that are yep. not, you know, cause I'm building some SaaS products and things like that. And, and I think a lot of this crosses over. So. Awesome. Happy to help. All right, good deal. Well, um, if people want to find you online or reach out to you, where, where do they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is my biggest network. Uh, I'm all the time there. Uh, Twitter, I'm not a really, really active guy. Now with my new job, I'm starting to become a little bit more active. So both of them is Felipe Millan, F-E-L-I-P-E-M-I-L-L-A-N. Oh. I didn't realize it was Mian. I, I said Milan. So uh, I'm I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. Crazy American saying it wrong. All right. Um, thanks for coming. Awesome. Have a good day, guys. Yeah, we'll have another one next week, folks. And in the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.